All right, if you would, church, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, and we are uh, continuing in chapter 18. So if you'll take a look there with me. Uh, last week, we, uh, we started back into the book of John. Uh, we had uh, begun uh, back in the book of John because we had taken a break uh, for the holiday, you know, for, for Christmas time and then New Year's. And so we, we sort of diverted away from the book of John, but now we're back. Um, like I said, you know, we, we talked about last in John about how Jesus Christ prays for us. He prays for us specifically. Um, what we looked at last week, uh, we, were, we were there at the very beginning of chapter 18 uh, when Jesus was asking the soldiers as, as he was in the garden, he was about to be arrested um, and he was asking the soldiers who they were seeking. And then we talked about how when he revealed himself, those soldiers who came had no option. But then faced with the presence of Jesus Christ and, and his deity being revealed to them, had to, had to take a step back and then fall. Fall to the ground. And how, and how in the presence of the Lord, you can't help but to fall at his feet. And that's exactly what happened with all these soldiers. And, and, and I think it's, it's, it's amazing, this entire story of Jesus being there in the garden and, and, and just getting to, to see how all of this unfolds. And of course, we're coming up on some really hard and difficult things because we're going to be talking about uh, you know, the death of Jesus in the upcoming weeks. But today what we're going to do is we're going to focus in on Simon Peter. Now, we're going we're gonna to look at the text, we're going to read through uh, some stuff, but, but as I speak about it, I'm going to skip over a few things, and I don't want you to look at this and say, well, what's the pastor doing? You know, he's, he's, he's left out some, some key things. Well, today we're going to be talking about Simon Peter. Next week, I'm going to come back to visit those things that I'm going to sort of, uh, what it'll appear to be is me hopping over, but we're going to come back to those things next week. But today, I wanted to focus in on Simon Peter. And talk a little bit about who he is. Because, you know, he's one of my favorites, honestly. He's the one that likes to ask all the questions. Sometimes the really goofy ones. I, re I find myself sort of drawn to him because I feel like I can relate. Because I go, if I was there, I would have asked the same thing. You know, I would have done possibly the same thing. I maybe would have acted like Peter. And... You know, he's, he's just one of those people that you can't help but love. And yet, he's so relatable. And so, we're going to take a look at who he is today. We're going to start there in verse 10 of chapter 18. And uh, we're going we're gonna to read through um, down to about uh, 27 is where we're going to go today. So, you'll take a look at that with me. <clears throat> It says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was 
for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door, and then brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I have said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself so that they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. So we get some information here about Simon Peter. We get to see some of how he, he interacts, how he thinks even. And ultimately, the way that he responds. Um, so basically what we get to see here, and, and, and early on, you know, right here in this, this very first part that we read, we get to see Simon Peter. He has a sword on him. He draws out of that sword. He goes to, to strike the high priest's servant, and he ultimately ends up cutting off his right ear. This is also talked about in Luke chapter 22. Um, and in that particular gospel of, of Luke 22, we even get to see that, that Jesus heals that man's ear right on the spot. So, so there's Peter. He takes out the sword, he swings it, and he cuts off the guy's ear. The reason for that is because he's not a fighter. He's a fisherman. Scholars pretty much believe he actually intended to kill the guy. Tells you how great a name he was because he only cut the guy's ear off. But that still did damage. And Peter, holding that sword, is then confronted by Jesus, who tells him quickly, says, put, your sword by, put your sword back in its sheath. He says, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus is there to intercede right in this particular moment. Um, the Gospel of John is the only gospel to actually record the servant's name whose ear was cut off. His name was Malchus. We'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment, but, uh, but that's the only place that you're going to see where that particular servant is revealed to us about who he is. Now, now, Jesus, as I said, he, 
he's standing there and he says, you know, shall I not drink this cup? And we get to see that sort of language that is used throughout the Bible. It talks about um, a cup being used um, oftentimes to describe death. Um, it's talked about in the book of Psalms, talked about in Isaiah, talked about in Jeremiah. You can also see that in Revelations. Um, probably the most known, however, is going to be when Jesus was praying in the garden. So, so the event just prior to Peter cutting off this ear, it's in the same time frame as when Jesus went to the garden to begin praying. It's there in Matthew 26, specifically verse 39, if you ever want to look that up, 2639, where Jesus says, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But then the amazing thing that Jesus does is he says, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus has this complete surrendering of himself to exactly what is going to happen to him. He trusts in the Father. He believes in what the Father is doing, and he knows the purpose for which he has come. And that was to be offered up as a final sacrifice. So we get to see Simon Peter... They go to the garden, and actually, if you back the story up just a little bit further, you get to see that, that when Jesus was there in the garden, he said, hey, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to pray, and I need for you, my disciples, to, to sit here and wait for me as I go over here to pray. And then he goes over and he prays, and he comes back, and they're all asleep. That would be me. I mean, can we, <laughs> I got an amen from the back. I mean, have you ever just sort of been in prayer at, at your at your wherever you are, right? Hopefully you're not driving when you do this, but, but you're in prayer and you close your eyes and you go, Lord, I'm just going to spend some time with you. And then you either A, find yourself snoring within just a few moments, or B, wondering what you're going to buy in your click list at Walmart. That's what we do as a people, isn't it? We, we find ourselves trying to focus in and then all of a sudden the world happens, doesn't it? And you find yourself, you know what? I've just not had enough sleep. I've been up wandering around and in Peter's case, I've been wandering around with Jesus. We've been going from place to place to place, and we're, we're doing all these things. Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. And so you know that the disciples are tired. So they're there, and they fall asleep. Jesus comes back. He's like, can't you just simply sit up and wait for me? And he goes, and he prays again. Guess what? They fell asleep again. Like, like you just were told, like, I just need you to stay awake for me. And even for Jesus, Son of God, we can't stay awake. We find ourselves drifting, don't we? That is who Peter is. And in this particular situation here where now Jesus was confronted by the soldiers, they have come to arrest him, mind you, not just simply to say, hey, I need you to come with me, Jesus, we want to ask you some questions. They come basically like, we, like I told you last week on this, on this witch hunt. They're almost coming with pitchforks and, and, and clubs and torches. It's like they're coming to search for a monster. And so when they get there, Jesus reveals himself. And after they've now gotten up, because remember they fell back in his presence. When they come towards him to arrest him, Peter acts. He lunges forward and he strikes with intent. It's It's quick. It was probably done without much thought. It was just a knee-jerk reaction. Because, because Simon Peter was the kind of guy that you wanted on your team. 
He would go to bat for you. He backed you up. He, he did whatever it took. And in the case of Jesus, he followed Jesus wherever he went. And he wanted to be with Jesus wherever he was. So Simon, and this we're going to jump now to, to verse 15. And we're gonna, again, I'm going to come back to the stuff that I'm skipping over. We're going to hit that next week. But in verse 15, it talks about how Simon Peter, after Jesus is now arrested, Simon Peter follows Jesus. It says, so did another disciple. They go to where the high priest is, and they enter into a courtyard. Now, Simon Peter goes, but it talks about this other disciple. Who is this other disciple? Well, scholars believe, and, and a great uh, a bit of evidence points to the fact that it is John himself. He just doesn't like to name himself. He likes to speak of himself in third person. And so when he writes this in verse 15, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. I mean, why he didn't just say, I also followed, I don't know. But he didn't see fit to write it that way. But, but we believe that it is likely John who went. And then it talks about how when they get to the courtyard, Simon Peter has to hang back. He's, he's not permitted to go past the gates. He's, he's just having to hang back. And yet this other disciple, again, likely John, he just, he just waltzes right on through because it says that he was known to the high priest. Now, the idea is here is that, that likely John had some sort of a uh, relationship um, to some of the people who were there. He possibly was, was related to some folks. So people there knew who he was, and he was permitted to just simply come in. Now, it doesn't mean that he followed their ways. He was absolutely 100%, 150% a follower of Christ Jesus. But he didn't let anything stop him from walking into that courtyard either. He didn't follow their ways. They were in complete disagreement about what was to be done and how it was to be done. And he said, my Lord has just been taken and I'm going where he is. So he just barges right on through. No one there stops him because they recognize him. But Peter isn't recognized. And so he has to stop. They don't just let strangers near the high priest. Now, as also a, uh, a side note, he's taken first, it says, to Annas. Guess what? Annas isn't the high priest. But it says that he is. Annas is one of three really, really rich families back in this time. And, and Caiaphas is his son-in-law. So, so, you know, he, uh, Caiaphas married Annas' uh, daughter. And, and they take Jesus to Annas first. And the reason is because he was so powerful that they viewed him of more authority than the actual high priest which is the whole reason why when you get into the whole hierarchy of religion, it's junk. It's exactly what it is. I don't know how else to say it, but when we start talking about the Pharisees and, and any religion that says this person has any sort of a direct connect to God and you have to go to this person, you've got to do this and this and that and the other, guess what? I'm here to tell you flat out today, you'll hear it come right out of the preacher's mouth, that's crap. You don't need anybody else. You know who you need? Jesus. All we have to do is go to Jesus. He is our mediator. He is our intercessor. He is the only one who we need. If somebody tells you, I need to go and talk to somebody else, they are full of it. I don't need anybody else. I need my Lord. I need my Savior. I need the one who died for me. Did anybody else die for me? No. 
but I have one who shed his blood. I have one who, who allowed for himself to be tortured and, and nailed to a cross for me. Who else do I need? I need Jesus. He's the only one I need. And so, so they're taking Jesus to Annas, who's not even the high priest. They're not even following their own law, which is the whole reason that we say legalism is also junk. If you're not following Jesus Christ with your heart, you're doing it wrong. If you're not following what Scripture says, you're doing it wrong. If you're following anything that is outside the realm of what Jesus Christ lays out for us in the Bible, you're doing it wrong. I don't know how else to tell you. Preacher's a little riled up this morning. So, so here we are. Peter, he's outside the gates, right? He's not permitted to go in. We know that, that, that John, we believe to be John, is inside. And then John turns around and he comes back and he goes and he tells the servant girl at the gate, he says, oh, hey, by the way, I know this guy over here. Go ahead and let him in. Which tells you, and it makes sense, that evidently John was known to the high priest, that the people there, the servants and the guards and the, and the soldiers, they all knew who he was. They at least trusted him. And so he was allowed to say, let Peter come forward. So now you have Peter who walks in. He's there, and what does he do? Does he concern himself with what's happening with Jesus? No. No. He says, it is cold out here. I'm freezing. And these soldiers over here, well, they've made this nice little barrel fire. I'm going to go warm myself up. Get a little toasty. Isn't that just like us? Like Jesus was just arrested. He was just taken to the wrong high priest, mind you. And I'm there. I can jump in. I can intercede for his behalf. Like, like uh, no, I'm a little bit cold, though. I'm going I'm to warm up first, and then I'll go. Just a couple minutes, it's all I need. See, that's who we are as a people, isn't it? Remember, this is Simon Peter we're talking about. Remember I said, this is who I relate to. Because that's what I would have done. That's me. I'm the guy standing around the barrel trying to warm myself up. So then, as he's there and he's getting warmed up, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up because I'm missing, missing the small, slight detail. As he came through the gate, before he went to go get warmed up, the lady at the gate, the, the servant girl, she says, hey, aren't you, aren't you one of the disciples? Now, he had every opportunity in the world, didn't he? Well, well, yes, I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks for asking. But instead, he says, no, I am not. Why would he say that? Because, and, and, and I don't mean disrespect to the servant girl because she was probably made to do what she was doing. She was in a, a low position. She wasn't valued, and that wasn't her fault. It was the higher-ups around her who were also, again, were wrong. But it's just what was the situation back then. But, but what was his reason for lying to her? Who is she? In the grand scheme of things, who is she? And I heard somebody say fear. And they are absolutely right. And when you're, when you're considering it, what, what would he have to fear of this, this little person? So then he goes, he gets warmed up. And as he's now standing around the barrel, there's another, one of the soldiers, says, hey, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? He says, no, no, I'm not. 
but I'm happy to stand here next to you and warm my hands. I'm happy to deny the one who I claimed I would love and follow forever just so I can stand here next to you and get warm without worrying about any retaliation in return. And then he's asked again. But this time, mind you, it's from a different person. This person is a relative of the guy who he cut the ear off of. And he says, wait a second, didn't I see you in the garden? You look really familiar. Like, aren't you the guy that swung the sword, cut my cousin's ear off? Or whoever the relative is. I don't know if he was a cousin, so I don't want to lead you astray there. But, but whoever his relative is, he's like, didn't you cut my relative's ear off? He's like, no, that wasn't me. This guy look a lot like me. We all wear tunics and stuff, you know? Like, a lot of us look alike, and, you know, it, it was dark, and, you know, y'all had torches and stuff, so the shadows and the light, you know, no, it's all good. I wasn't, that's not me. I'm denying it. And so he denies it three times, and then the rooster crows, which is absolutely significant now. All of a sudden, a light bulb goes off in the mind of Peter. This denial of Jesus is very significant. So if we look back on what Peter said to Jesus, and it really, in the grand scheme of things, was just a short time ago. In John chapter 13, we read, in verses 37 and 38, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Why can I not follow you now? And then get this, he says, I will lay down my life for you. I will lay down. I'm repeating everything twice, on purpose, by the way. I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Will you? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Jesus predicted this exact event before it ever happened. Down to the detail of a rooster crowing, which you probably wouldn't have had there in the city gates, honestly, because, because you've got to remember where they are. They don't want things to be defiled. So just simply having a rooster running around isn't, isn't the norm. You know, if you've ever had chickens or roosters, you know what they do. They leave their mark everywhere. So it's not conducive to having chickens or roosters hanging out near the temple and all that where things can be defiled. So this is not a situation where Jesus should have been able to say, a rooster is going to crow when you deny me three times in the presence of, or within reach, rather, of the high priest. You see, this is a very distinct situation that Peter would have, in that very moment that he heard the rooster crow, he would have said, oh no, what have I done? And you think back to the words that he said. He said, can I follow you now? Why can't I just simply follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then given the, opportun the first opportunity, the very first one, not only did he not follow Jesus into the courtyard, like busting through the gates, as, as he really was trying to say, I will follow you. Why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Like, I will do whatever it takes. And he failed the mission right out of the gate. Didn't he? Failed right out of the gate. Like, 
And I go, yeah, I probably would have done that too. Because you know, I, I, sometimes I talk a big talk. Has anybody in here ever talked a big talk? And you find yourself when the moment hits and you go, I really thought I was going to do that different. You know, I really thought that I was going to come out like a, like a bulldog. And I was just going to tell them, like, this is the way it's going to be. My own man. And then you go, yep, yep, no, I just took it. I just took whatever it was. I dealt with it. Man, keeping me down, you know? And, and that's the way that Peter approached this entire situation. But it's not to say that Peter's actions aren't noble. They're not always right. They're not always righteous. But you have to remember who Peter was. His original name was Simon. Jesus is the one who ended up calling him Peter. Typically referred to him as Simon Peter. That's the reason I keep saying Simon Peter over and over. And I believe that that, that fact is even important. Um, Simon Peter always took some convincing to uh, come around let things kind of break through to him, um, which should be encouraging to some of you all, because it's encouraging to me. Like I said, I was 33 years old before I got saved. It took me, this, this hard noggin was tough to break through. My wife, trust me, she hit me over the head with a lot, trying to get through to me, saying, listen, I'm going to share with you the gospel, because I was not the husband I was supposed to be. I was not the father I was supposed to be. I was not the spiritual leader in my home. And my wife had to step up and take that role. I'm not proud of that by any stretch of the means, but I am proud of her because she said, I'm going to do what you're not until you're able. It's what you do when you're husband and wife. You don't give up on your spouse. You pray with hope always that, that, that your husband is going to come around and become this, this godly man. And I'm not perfect. I'm not even going to pretend like I'm still like Peter in a lot of ways. But, but I'm thankful that she never gave up, that she, that she tried her best not to convince me, but to teach me and to guide me patiently for years and years and years. And so for, for Simon Peter, who, who, find, who found himself as a fisherman on a boat, and then when Jesus came along and said, follow me, and he just dropped everything and ran, see, he had a disadvantage. See, I had the advantage of my wife dealing with me for years and years and, and sharing with me the good news of the gospel that we could look back on. Peter simply had this person in front of him who he recognized. And the person said, follow me. So Peter had to make a split decision moment choice to say, I'm going to follow you or I'm not. And he chose to follow Jesus Christ. And from that point forward, he had much to learn. And it was coming at him fast. Peter would always like to ask questions. He would insert himself um, in ways that he didn't absolutely have to. Simon Peter was rough around the edges in a lot of ways. He wanted to protect Jesus from harm. In a lot of ways, he even became the self-appointed leader of the disciples. Just sort of by nature, he was one that people would follow. But he was still just simply the man that, that he had always been, that we read or we can read about in Luke chapter 5, where 
when he was trying to fish off of that boat before Jesus came and found him, he was fishing for hours all through the night and he couldn't catch even a single fish. He, again, that's the reason he couldn't throw the sword this way because he was practiced this way. So he would throw the nets and he couldn't catch anything. And Jesus came and told him, hey, I want you to go and I want you to cast your nets. One more time. Just trust me. So he goes and he throws the nets and he brings in a catch so large that he needed to call other boats over to help him pull in the nets. So much so that it almost sunk the boat. It was such a large blessing. And when, and when Simon Peter, or at that time just Simon, when he realized who Jesus was, he humbled himself before the Lord. And this is what he said. He, he, he came before the Lord and he said, Go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. In that moment, Peter realized who he was. I'm a sinful man. That's who I am. I'm a sinful man. When I stand before Jesus Christ, I have to confess myself before him. And I have to do it all the time. I'm not perfect. I screw up all the time, every single day. It's the reason that we need to repent of our sin. It's the reason that we need to, to take up our cross, bear our crosses daily, and bring ourselves before him in a relationship that is every day in prayer, saying, Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need everything that you can offer me because I can't do it on my own. And Peter realized this in a moment. So then we can see that when Jesus was predicting his own death, Peter, Simon Peter, went from, I'm this sinful man. You can read about this in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus was predicting his own death, and Peter just speaks up. Again, like he always does. On a moment's notice, he doesn't think. Some, he, 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 he just finds himself blurting things out. He just rolls off the tongue. And he finds himself correcting Jesus, as if that's a possibility. He finds himself coming against Jesus. He spoke against it. He said, far be it from you, Lord. This is never going to happen to you. Jesus is predicting his death. He says, I am going to die. And Peter says, no, it's not going to happen. It's not his call, number one, nor does he have the insight to, to, to proclaim such a statement. And then he gets a rebuke from Jesus. And the rebuke is swift and the rebuke is for, it's very, very firm. It's, it's just it's strong. He says, get behind me, Satan. Now, if you're Peter, that's going to hurt. He says, you're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I do that. Do you? I set my mind on the things of man. I don't set my mind on the things of God all the time. You think I'm a pastor, you think I would, but I don't. Because I am a sinful man. Just like Peter. When, G when Jesus spoke those words to him, it had to have crushed him. He said, away from me, Satan. You are a hindrance. Now, the point of that was that Peter 
in his lashing out, in his trying to, to take control of the situation, allowed Satan to invade his mind, invade his thoughts. And that's the reason that Jesus was proclaiming that. He wasn't really calling Peter Satan. He was saying, Satan, stop messing with one of my people. See, that happens to us too. We find ourselves distracted by the enemy. We find ourselves believing lies that the enemy tells us. We fall into traps that the enemy sets for us. And it's the reason that you've been hearing, especially lately, that I've told you the enemy can walk straight through those doors. They don't have magic locks on them. Satan is everywhere. We can, we can be affected by him, by his minions. It doesn't matter. He can cause disruption. His only desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. He would love nothing more than to bring you, drag you away, kicking and screaming from Jesus Christ. He would love that. But Peter had something that was undeniable, didn't he? Peter belonged to the Lord. Peter professed faith in the Lord. And even in the situation where Peter messes up and he screws up, he still belongs to the Lord because he trusted in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He proclaimed Jesus. And even when he messed up and said, no, 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 I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people. I'm not following. I'm not a follower. Jesus still knew his heart. He knew that he was doing this out of fear. He knew that he was doing it out of worry for his own self because he just wasn't mature enough. It's difficult to find ourselves in a place where you say, well, how do I relate with that? How do I relate to these disciples, these that we so look up to, don't we? We go, man, that was, there was 12 of those guys, and they all did great and amazing things. That, no, one of them turned Jesus over, ended up hanging himself. Several others, they, they did all kinds of stuff, screwed up stuff along the way. Their ministries weren't perfect. Ministry is never perfect. If anybody tells you ministry is perfect, come talk to me. Come talk to Chelsea. Come talk to Sierra. We're all involved in ministry here. We'll tell you it's not perfect in any way, shape, or form. Chelsea's back there going, preach it, brother. So here's the thing. Will, you can put, the, put up that first one for me. So I'm going to throw this out to you. Are you like Simon Peter? He asks a lot of questions. He's overbearing. He allows himself to be consumed with things that are out of his control. Go ahead and put up the next one there, Will, if you would. There you go. He allows himself to be consumed with things that are out of his control. He worries a whole lot. He fights battles that aren't his. Is that anybody in this room? Sure it is. If you're like me, I do it all the time. His emotions get the better of him. Now, that's nobody here, right? We never let our emotions get out of hand, get the better of us. We all have it together as great Christians, don't we? He tries to fix things and others around him. Man, I'm guilty of all these. Every last one. There's the reason I say I can relate to people. But Peter, Simon Peter, is being transformed. His journey, his walk with Christ is training him. It's training him to be strong and courageous. And in this journey, 
we see that Jesus gave him a new name. That new name was Peter. His name originally was Simon. His name is now Peter. And it means rock. So we get to see how Peter has messed up. And he's messed up big. I think we can all agree on that, right? He's messed up along the way, especially when he denies Jesus Christ three times in front of other people. The rooster is crowed, which, by the way, when the rooster crowed, he knew he messed up. Imagine what he felt every other single time he heard a rooster crow. I mean, back then, you didn't go to the supermarket to buy your eggs. You were surrounded by this kind of livestock, you know, chickens and sheep and goats and all these things. It was a constant reminder. You denied me. Don't do it again. Every single time the rooster crowed. It's the reason that I believe Jesus did that was so that he could have this reminder to do better, be better. So Jesus renames him Peter, stands for rock. And Peter will become the rock on which the church is built, ironically. Peter, in all of his messing up, sometimes his goofiness, his overbearingness, his desire to do things and fix things that aren't necessarily his responsibility will become the rock on which the church will be built. And Matthew 16, verse 18 says that specifically. It says, uh, and this is Jesus speaking these words. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church. The powers of hell will not be able to have power over my church. Does Satan have power over this church today? No, not in the least. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. This church believes the words of Jesus. This church believes the Bible and everything in it. We believe that everything in it flows from beginning to end, and it complements instead of contradicts. Everything in it is absolute truth. Believe it. Read it. Understand what it says. powers of hell will not be able to have power over my church. Do we believe that as a church? Do we believe that Satan, no matter what he does to us, he can't take us? No matter how hard he tries. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe and you've confessed yourself to Jesus Christ, you've asked him into your heart and you've and you believe in his birth, his death, his resurrection, that the word says you can't be taken, ever. So I don't care if Satan himself marches himself right through those doors here this morning, if you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are safe. You have the assurance of Christ Jesus in your life. But if he marches himself through those doors this morning, not looking like the horned devil that we're so used to seeing, but as a beautiful angel, mind you, if you've not confessed yourself to Jesus Christ, you could fall victim to his lies, to his deceit. And that's the reason that we always, or at least, at least here at this church, we say there is such an importance in believing and giving yourself to Jesus because you can be deceived. Satan is a master liar, master manipulator. He desires you. But you know who desires you more? That's Jesus. So much so that he died on that cross for you. So, 
Will, you can put up the, the, the last one if you would. No, keep going. One more. Keep going until you see words. <laughs> I think we'll get there eventually, but that's okay. Oh, no, that's okay. That's all right. You can just leave it there, Will. Don't worry about it. I must, the pastor must have screwed it up. It's okay. So I'm going to ask you three things. I have to stand here in front of this just so I can ask you. Are you like Simon Peter? Remember, we listed out all the attributes of who Simon Peter was. And you probably found yourself in the midst of some of those, right? But here's what I'm going to ask you now if you're like Simon Peter. Are you a sinner who became a believer? And are you a believer who became a follower? And are you a follower who is being trained up as a disciple? That's the path that we take here at Bethlehem. The path I believe in. You can, you can say it's sort of those ABCs, right? The ABCs of Christianity. Admit, believe, confess, right? Do you belong to Jesus Christ? Have you taken yourself from sinner to disciple? But you can't do it on your own. The journey you have to take with Jesus. So the real question becomes, has Jesus taken you from sinner to disciple? And if he's not, and not yet, I ask that you open your heart to the Holy Spirit today. I ask that you open your heart to receive the Holy Spirit today and to trust him. Peter screwed up badly. And Christ still said, I will build this church upon your rock. Imagine what he can do through you if you'll just let him. Will you trust Jesus Christ today? Worship team, y'all come up. <clears throat> we're gonna gonna close in prayer but I want to encourage you that you know again the altar is open these front pews are open if you don't know Jesus man, I urge you to trust him today if you find yourself in a place that you say I don't know about my relationship with Jesus like I think I'm a believer come and let's resolve that today you just need help just need prayer come forward let us as a church lift you up and join you don't be embarrassed don't be shy allow yourself to move freely in the holy spirit because the lord is doing the work here he's doing amazing work here we are simply following in his footsteps and while i don't really care about numbers i am excited to see a nice crowd here today I am so thankful. We're going to be bringing in new members at the end of the service today. I am so grateful and thankful. But you know what I desire more than numbers? I desire believers. I want you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. I want you to hear his word and trust in it more than doing anything here. I want you to know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. And you can only do that if you open your hearts to receive him. I trust, I'm, I'm going to ask the Lord, I'm going to trust him to do that work today, to send his spirit to work and to move. You would bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord, we give you praise today for the work that we know you're doing. Lord, each of us in this room have found ourselves in a place 
where we've had to confess ourselves as sinners. Because we are. Lord, we are sinners. You tell us that we have to realize that, we have to recognize that first before anything else in our lives can be fixed or transformed. We have to reveal and recognize ourselves as sinners before you. We aren't perfect. We mess up. And Lord, I'm thankful for those that you have sent before us to be the examples for us that we can, that we can look to, that we can relate to, that we can find, find ourselves saying, oh, I'm grateful that, that you didn't just pick perfect people because there are no perfect people. You're the only one who is. So Lord, I just give you praise today for the work that you are doing, that you are accomplishing, and that you're allowing for us to walk with you. So Lord, build this, build this church up. Lord, we want your holy word to go out from this place. We want people to know about who you are, Lord. We want to profess you as our Lord and our Savior and as many people as possible to come to know you and to be in the true, absolute presence of the true, one, living Son of God. Jesus, we need you today. I pray that there's any here that that don't know you, Lord, that you would give them that courage, that you would cast Satan away, that you would, that you would cast off all that would hold them back, and Lord, that you would allow for them to come forward, that you would bring us humbly before you for whatever our cares, needs are. We all have hurts and habits, hang-ups. Lord, bring us before you so that we can cast those things upon you. We need you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, especially your sacrifice, for the forgiveness of our sin. You have ransomed us. We can never repay you for that, and you don't ask for it. You just simply ask for our hearts. Help us to give them to you today. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. Amen.